0: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to Stack in the Box. I am Matt Verteramp alongside Josh Hill and we are recording this for now the second time because I forgot to hit the record button the first time. So this one should be without a hitch. This should be phenomenal work by Josh and I. God bless Hill for sticking around. If I was him, I would have come across the table already because we recorded for about 35 minutes before realizing the error. So let's jump right into it. Look, we're through week three of the preseason. Mm-hmm. That's always the week that tells you at least as much as you can possibly learn from the preseason. I think most people agree that weeks one and two and four, it's mostly a waste of time in terms of trying to parse anything, trying to make any declarations about what we're going to see. And even week three, you don't want to go too overboard, but there's always stuff that you want to look at and say, okay, is this really what we're going to see when the games count? And if so, how much stock should we put in certain things? So before we get into that, because we're going to get into a little bit of How much trouble is X team in? And we'll rank it from one to ten, one being no trouble, 10 being the most. Let's just take a a broad view of week three here in the preseason for a second. And Josh, I'll let you lead off. Uh, Preseason, from what we just saw this weekend, or just even overall, what has stuck out to you?
1: It's, well, I mean, what stuck out to me the most is that the preseason is still too long. It's still way too long. We've got. Games where we have five points scored on a nationally televised game, and I nationally televised is very flexible because I turned that game on on accident and saw that the score was five to nothing. I was like, holy cow! And of course, it was the Browns and the Eagles. And then you've got plays like Cam Newton going big boy, going over the top, landing on his head and his neck in the third preseason game. Like these guys are just wired differently. They think that these games matter, and it's not because it's like a hardo thing, like they're trying to win. It's just they're in that mode. Once they get on the field, they can't fake it which I guess is is a it's a good thing if you're a fan you're looking at these guys like, okay, they take the game seriously. But I would much rather have Cam Newton going over the top and risking his body like that in a game that matters because that changes everything in the NFC if Cam Newton's out 6 to 12 weeks with a neck injury, okay? That changes a lot. And we've seen it happen before in the preseason with injuries, and we're seeing it happen again, and we're seeing these weird decisions being made. It's just... It, it, it doesn't matter. And if we get another whole week of this. I mean, we have one more slate of games coming up that don't matter. It just makes no sense to me. So my biggest takeaway, and this it seems like a, a played out take, but it's the the preseason's too long. Shorten it up. Let's go. Yeah,
0: look, I, I totally agree. And this is probably bad business and hopefully the overlords of Fanside so don't get annoyed with me because you know, you're always trying to draw interest to the stuff you're mm-hmm. talking about, writing about whatnot. But we always try to be honest. This Thursday, there's going to be 16 NFL games. Don't watch them. They're terrible. Unless you're really interested in who's going to be the fourth running back on your team, doesn't (laughs) matter. And and quite frankly, even that really doesn't matter. Unless it's the rare air guy where Terrell Davis makes your team because of a special teams hit. The the bottom line, I think a lot of these coaches will tell you that I think two games would be fine. It used to be six games in the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. And starters played the whole games back then. Um, those games were a heck of a lot more important back then. If you look at the records, a lot of times those teams that were really good, they played really well because they played them like they were regular season games. Yeah, That's not the case anymore. And you're seeing teams, and we'll get to the, the Bears who rested all their starters, but you're seeing other teams do it as well. That the, the Texans, this was the first time they played their starters the entire preseason, a lot of them, uh, in week three. And, and the Rams didn't play many at all. And, and the Raiders have had games where they've rested almost all their guys. And so, look, if that's going to be the case – then cut the nonsense, have one preseason game home and away for each team and just be done with it. And I don't wanna hear about how these teams need the 30 days uh, you and know, the four preseason games that you're gonna get through camp and through the end of the preseason to evaluate these players. Look, you got a month in camp. If you can't evaluate guys for a month in camp, a lot of these teams have, have scrimmages against one another as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have at least four games, and if you play the Hall thing Fame, you have five. Yeah. Like, At what point do you just say, look, I think we're good. I think we can figure it out. And if you can't, and if you're sitting there trying to figure out some guy who's 26 years old on the roster bubble should be on the team. Look, he's 26 years old and on the roster bubble. <laughs> all right? He
1: stinks. Cut it. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good.
0: He's not going to magically become Barry Sanders. And if you can't cut him and you have to hold on to 26-year-old roster bubble guy, well, then that means you can't evaluate talent very well coming out of the college draft and you can't evaluate the UDFAs and that's your problem and and maybe it's time to get a new scouting department or even maybe a a new head coach. So, for me, I I think the preseason just drags on and if you're going to ask fans to pay premium prices to go to these games, then you need to be either playing some guys that matter or you need to shorten it up because to ask fans, I mean, two preseason games, if you're paying the same price you are for regular season tickets, that's a lot of money. That's that's a couple hundred bucks in some cases. It's nuts. So, I think the NFL would be better off to shorten this thing to two games. We'll see if they ever do it, uh, but I, I think that it would not have a whole heck of a lot of opposition from fans.
1: No, it's it's too short. It's too long. It needs to get shortened up. Injuries. It, they're never going to do it because it's the season ticket holders. Okay, they have to pay for those tickets. So that's that's ultimately it's the hand that feeds and all that kind of thing. But just shorten up the preseason. We don't need this. It's not a, it's not even a thing where it's like, oh, I need games that count. I need football back. I just need this I just need the preseason to be shorter and more efficient. That's the thing. People are calling for it to be efficient. So we'll see if that ever happens, but I, I don't I don't have very high hopes that it will. Well, we're finally to
0: the end of the preseason. obviously again, Thursday night, all the teams play and then it's over. and then the cuts have to come down Saturday by four o'clock eastern. Every team in the league will go down to 53 players and then, of course, 10-man practice squads as well. Some guys have to go through waivers to get there. Um, it'll be interesting to see who gets cut, who doesn't. We'll talk about that, obviously, after it happens. Uh, I'm not going to speculate. There's just so many guys yeah. who could be, you know, cap casualties. who could be here for hours. Um, but it is something to watch. And it's also something to know too. If, like, a big-time veteran is going to get cut, usually those guys get cut a little earlier. They try to, you know, teams mm-hmm. try to do those guys a favor, Help them to latch on elsewhere, so they're not just caught in the wash. But usually, up until this point, it's always been a cut down from ninety to seventy-five, mm-hmm. from seventy-five to fifty-three. Well, not anymore. Now it's just ninety to fifty-three, so it's going to be chaos. You're going to have what thirty-seven guys times thirty-two, whatever that is. Yeah, I mean, nine and some odd guys getting cut. Yeah. one day. Um, but let's move on from that and let's kind of dive into a few topics we really want to get to. Um, so again, I mentioned at the top we're going to do kind of a, a metered game. So a 1 through 10. 1 is you're not concerned at all about this. 10 is you're, you're pushing the panic button as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about some specific games. We'll talk about a few headlines. We'll lead off with of the headline. Carson Wentz has not yet been cleared for contact. you learned that from Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson, who's talking to the media and said, look, uh, at this point – He's practicing, but he, he's not allowed to be, to be hit yet. We're not sure when that knee is going to be cleared for contact. They're 10 days away as we're recording this podcast from hosting the Falcons week one. Nick Foles, uh, obviously Morton Capel, he won the Super Bowl last year for them. But yeah. again, he's, he's still a backup quarterback. Where do you land on Carson Wentz and not being cleared for contact? A, one through 10.
1: Uh, a Six mostly not so much to do with his health so it's more to do with bad decision making so if he's not ready to come back and nick Foles has been as unflattering as he's been in the preseason thus far i see this as a perfect storm situation where he's going to get rushed back because carson wentz wants to come back it's not like a thing where he's just waiting this out if they say can you play week one Of course he's going to play. I mean, this is a kid who in his second year missed out on winning a Super Bowl. Okay, And he's a competitor. He wants to come back. This is his team. My concern comes with what happens when he does get rushed back. What happens when you do panic and say, Nick Foles can't be the starter. We have to start Carson Wentz. Then all of a sudden he can't scramble around in the pocket. Then all of a sudden he can't plant and throw well. Then all of a sudden we're five games into the season and he's got 10 interceptions and six touchdowns. The you know the Eagles only have a couple of wins and you're starting to panic. And what does that do to him mentally? Physically, what does it do in four or five years if he comes back from that ACL injury too soon? Does he tear it again? Is he not the same guy and that affects his psyche? There's just too many negatives that string from this. Nick Foles narrative was one of the best narratives that we've had in football in a very long time. He's a backup quarterback who wins the Super Bowl. Give him one more moment. He wrapped up his story that he started so many years ago with Chip Kelly and the MVP stuff, and then he falls off. It looks like he's done. Wasn't it when like the Rams cut him when Jeff Fisher said he was no good at his job? Yeah. He almost quit football. Went to the Chiefs
0: no one year, the other one with Peterson's Philly.
1: And then he comes back and he wins the Super Bowl, wraps up his story. He's been terrible in the preseason, so we're going to get a full Philly ending where they boo their Super Bowl hero week one because he's threw they a couple will, of interceptions. Too. That's so, the best part
0: of the whole thing you're right. They'll boo him off the field if he stinks. Yeah,
1: so I'm, I'm at a six mostly because I'm afraid that the Eagles are going to rush him back. The only thing that's holding me back from making that higher is because Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson have... Proven that they're good decision makers when it comes to their personnel and when it comes to the decisions on the field. So that's the only reason it's a six. But I'm I'm, I'm dicey as far as rushing him back.
0: Yeah, I'm in the ballpark. With I'm at a five. Look, I, I think ultimately they've got to be smart, as you've said. They can't rush him back no matter what. Um, that said, look, I think people often look to last year to predict what's going to happen this year, mm-hmm. and it's a fallacy in the NFL. yeah It just is. Nick Foles could be great. Nick Foles could stink. And if you don't believe me, look at the year Nick Foles went to the Pro Bowl and I believe he threw like two picks all year long and the next year he was atrocious. Okay, things change. It's the NFL, things change in a hurry. There was a time back in 1990 when Jeff Hostetler filled in for Phil Simms on the Giants and Phil Simms was a very good quarterback for anyone who wasn't aware and he sprained his foot real badly. He was out for the year late in the season. Hostetler came in, the Giants were a great team. At the time, very defensive-oriented. Nobody thought they could win with Jeff Hostetler. Hostetler took him and won the Super Bowl. Went into Candlestick, beat Joe Montana, beat the high-flying Buffalo Bills, yada, yada, yada. Following year, Sims was out to the Giants, said, ah, we're going to stick with Hostetler. Hostetler played in 12 games, and he threw five touchdowns. Okay? Point being, as great as Hostetler was in the playoffs a year prior, and he threw three touchdowns, no picks, okay, in the three games he played, he couldn't replicate it. And he ended up going to the Raiders outside. And he was fine, but you know, I don't think anybody's erecting a statue to Jeff Hostetler. And no, <laughs> no, they're, they're not. not. <laughs> and so, like, with the Eagles, look, you're starting week one against the Falcons, okay? You might lose that game. If Foles doesn't play well, hell, you almost lost in the divisional round. If you lose that game, by the way, which they didn't, it doesn't matter. Foles played great the next two weeks. Foles didn't play well against the Falcons, and if they lost that game, which they're very close to doing, it was a goal line stand at the end, okay? Nobody's talking about this, like, ah, it's okay if Nick Foles is, is under center. They'd be saying, oh, my God, we need Carson Wentz. We can't win with Nick Foles. Um, that said, look, Peter King reported he thought he might miss the first two weeks. I'd sit him the first three weeks if you have to. Yeah, you start against Atlanta. Maybe you win the game. Maybe you don't. Then you're at Tampa. Tampa's not playing James Winston. Then you're, you're at the Colts. The Colts aren't playing anybody good except for Andrew Luck. So I think, you know, you try to maybe bring him back week four against Tennessee. You know, but we'll see how it goes. Right now, I'm at a five. I, I think the Eagles are fine. they got a really good defense. They'll ride that the first month of the year. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. Speaking of defense, and a team that doesn't have one that they can find currently, the Kansas City Chiefs. I made the mistake of going to watch the Chiefs play in Soldier Field against the Chicago Bears. Could have got credentialed. said, ah, I'll go as a fan and drop 60 bucks, and I'll never see that $60 again. Okay, <laughs> Although it was fun watching Patrick Mahomes. The homer and me will admit that. Um the Bears did not play any of their starters. Uh, they played all second and third string guys. The Chiefs said, yeah, we're going to play everybody who's healthy. So there was no Eric Berry, very limited Chris Jones, and Stephen Nelson didn't play either. But the Chiefs played most of the defensive starters, gave up 24 points at almost 300 yards in the first half to Chase Daniel and a bunch of guys I've never heard of. Benny Cunningham was in that mix. Uh, Kevin White was in that mix. Uh, lit the Chiefs up like a Christmas tree. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned should Chief fans be about the atrocity that was put forth and that defense going forward?
1: Uh, I'm about at an eight and a half, soft nine, just because so much hinges on the offense. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid's guru. Fantasy football guys are going nuts over the Chiefs right now. The draft drafting Patrick Mahomes is way too high. They're taking Kareem Hunt in the first round up there with Alvin Kamara and all of these guys. All of it hinges on how well that offense is going to go. And you've said it plenty of times. They're going to need to score 40, 50 points a game because the defense is going to give up 51. It's so bad. And I wonder what happens to Patrick Mahomes if the Chiefs are 5-5. Five and five And they're losing games. And the national media is looking at that and saying they're not looking at the defense in Bob Sutton, and they're not looking at the linebackers in the secondary. They're not looking at the terrible cornerbacks outside of Fuller. They're not looking at any of that. They're looking at the star quarterback in his second season who can't win games. And what is that going to do to a young kid who has to hear that, knowing that it's not his fault and knowing that he, he's the leader and he can't say anything? Now, I'm not saying that he would want to, and I don't know what the situation is in that locker room. I'm sure he'd take it in stride. But you just have to wonder, what is that like? <clears throat> We've seen this before. We saw it in Denver to a degree last year. That defense is a Super Bowl-contending defense. But when Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch – and the second helping of uh, Brock Osweiler comes to town and they can't get it done, that defense gives up. They're like, we're doing our job. Why do we have to try hard? And then you also have volatile personalities on offense like Travis Kelsey, who isn't afraid to say, you guys suck. (laughs) What are you doing? And all of a sudden, you've got locker room problems now. Now, that obviously is like a slippery slope that I'm hitting a panic button on, but it all starts and ends with, can that defense get it done? And when you're getting lit up by the Bears' backup unit... That's a very, very bad sign.
0: Yeah, my concern on a scale 1 to 10 is about 472. (laughs) Uh, Which, by the way, might be the uh, average yardage they give up in the (laughs) the game.
1: It's also low. (laughs)
0: They they were terrible. And I've had so many Chief fans who have tweeted me and said, ah, you weren't watching the game on TV. Listen, yeah, you're right. I had the all-22 version (laughs) of it. You paid for that. Believe me. Chase Daniel could have went to his first, second, and third reads in almost every play, and everybody was open. Anyone not guarded by Kendall Fuller was wide open. Like, could have Oof. stopped and thrown their hands up and still had time. Like, it was, it was abominable. I think the front seven's actually pretty good. I think Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland, they'll be fine against the run. I love the kid that they drafted out of FSU. Uh, Derek Nottie, he's a nose tackle. Yeah. He's not going to give him much in the pass game, but my God, he's a bull inside. He's a big, strong kid. They're going to play well up front they really which I, to be honest I wouldn't have said probably even a month ago but just watching them up front they got a lot of they got a lot of talent they're going to be good up front the problem is none of it matters because teams are just going to take a three step drop and throw the football and there's nobody back there it's Kendall Fuller it's hopefully Eric Berry and then it's a gigantic bag of nonsense all the way down the line David Amerson runs like me with two broken ankles. okay <laughs> it was I actually felt bad for him watching I just get him off the field man he can't move it's over Okay, man, I wish they just had one corner who had some playmaking ability, a guy who could drive on the ball and who could really shut down the opposing receiver. It's too bad they don't have a guy like that. You know, somebody like Marcus Peters. He'd be real great. He'd be, man, He'd be great. But the Rams are never be stupid enough to trade him. <laughs> uh, look, I think if I was Brett Veach, if I was the general manager of the Chiefs, uh, I would have been calling Bashad Breeland's agent at halftime of that game and saying whatever it takes i'll cut anybody off this roster like and breeland's not even a number one corner he's a good Mm -hmm. high-end number two but they are so bad breeland would make a world of difference he was there for two days earlier this summer visiting everybody thought he was going to sign there and then he left without a deal look i don't know what the chiefs are going to do i do think this they're going to score a lot of points that Mm -hmm. offense is really good if there's a silver lining with the chiefs right now if you're a chief fan mahomes is legit he can throw the ball he's a smart kid they got a ton of weapons and their division's not that good. I mean, the Chiefs might not have a defense and still might find a way to win that division. But boy, you look at the schedule. They play the Chargers and the Steelers first two weeks. They play Pittsburgh. That may be against just a race to 50. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> going to punt the football. So, listen, I think, I still think the Chiefs have a pretty good shot to play us because the conference isn't good the division's week. But uh, that defense. I don't know how you walk away from that saying you're not concerned. I, if I had to put a real number on it, I'd give it a nine. I think Barry coming back does help quite a bit. And if they got Breland in there, I would change my tune. But for right now, they don't have Breland. And the combination of David Amerson and Orlando Skandrick, not great. It's just was four years ago, awesome. Okay, I've been killing the Raiders all off season because they've been signing these bums who are washed up. Well, the Chiefs... Uh, Two of them in their own right. Emerson's not that old, but he just can't play. And Skandrick's like 39. So we'll see what happens. But I'm in a nine. We'll move on. We'll stay though in the AFC. We'll talk about some of the rookie quarterbacks. Um, Well, actually, we'll talk about one in particular. Look, we both agree Sam Donald's probably going to start here for the Jets. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the correct decision. Josh Allen we'll get to here in a sec. But Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, they're all going to sit. Yeah. Okay, at least for some amount of time. Maybe not the whole year, but most of it. Josh Allen, however, for the Bills, got the start week three of the preseason. AJ Jim out with the collarbone injury, okay? But he started, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, he went 6 of 12. He threw for 34 yards. Ugh. The Bengals sacked him five times. It was ugly. And it wasn't, I don't want to make it like it was Josh Allen, you know, his fault and his fault alone. He obviously didn't play well. He did not have a lot of help around him. Where do you put the number in terms of your concern for Josh Allen moving forward here in
1: Buffalo? A seven because very similar reasons to the Carson Wentz conundrum. And it's you're rushing him into a situation he's not ready for. And how often has that ever worked? Like you go back across sports, not even just football, but basketball, baseball, hockey, guys that aren't ready for a big stage who have high expectations are rushed into that spot and it ends up just killing their careers sometimes it works out but that's because they're truly exceptional athletes Josh Allen he wasn't a very accurate passer in college he hasn't shown much this preseason to say that he is willing to or he has the tools to take a step this year at least his tools aren't honed enough for him to take a step this year and that to me points to another problem here which is the Bills coaching staff never got behind to Rod Taylor. Not once. They benched him for Nathan Peterman and almost missed the playoffs because they benched him and his backup threw five interceptions in 30 seconds. That is what they're dealing with when it comes to who is developing this quarterback. Now, Allen, for all of his problems in college, for all of the question marks that he has, and you certainly said a lot about it, I've said a lot about it, and other members of the media have said a lot about it, he has what it takes to be a middle-of-the-road, upper, you know, bottom-of-the-upper-tier type of quarterback in the right system. That's why it was so exciting with the idea that maybe he would go to to Belichick and the Patriots. That's a situation where maybe he'd be all right. But he's with Sean McDermott a guy who never got behind any of the quarterbacks he's ever had, is a defensive-minded head coach, doesn't have a great offensive coordinator, and it's a situation where the Bills aren't going to win this year. Don't put him out there. He's going to get hurt or he's going to lose his confidence. Look at what happened to Sean Kaiser. Similar situation, not identical, but Hugh Jackson throws him out there, never gives him support, says, here you go, go figure it out for yourself. You're the franchise quarterback face of the future. You figure it out. And he couldn't figure it out. What's to say Josh Allen doesn't start the season one and six, and all of a sudden we're talking about it like, oh, he can't lead the team, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, his confidence is shaken. He starts to lose the locker room. He starts to lose support. And at some point, you have to decide, are you going to build around your quarterback, or are you going to build around the head coach and everything else? And if the locker room splits, that's a harder decision to make. And all of this can be avoided if they just don't. Start him. He is not ready. Don't do it. Don't put him out there. You're going to go two and fourteen, three and you know you're not going to win these games. You're going three and thirteen this year. Don't start Josh Allen. Don't do it. It's not a Mitchell Trubisky situation. It's not a situation you want to be a part of. Just Bills fans, chug beer, break tables in the parking lot, numb the pain that you have to watch Nathan Peterman. But don't don't wish this on Josh Allen. Please don't do it.
0: Yeah. Look, I'm at an eight with this. Um I don't understand why the Bills are even considering, under any circumstances, starting Josh Allen. And I don't mean that to come off as a slam on Josh Allen, I just mean it to be honest. Look, he's not ready. He completed 56% of his throws at Wyoming, okay? That's not even a Power Five conference school. You look at his college tape, There's issues. He's not accurate. Now, his footwork has been vastly better in the preseason. I'm encouraged by that. I think that's great. But he's got a ways to go here. This is not a kid who's going to step in there and sling it all over the Hmm. place. And for everybody who thought he was going to do that because he lit up some backup players on Cleveland a week ago, come on. You know, this is the same nonsense that everybody said about Deshaun Kaiser last year. Oh, Deshaun Kaiser, looked great. He looks great. And then he played against Tiffany. First team defenses in the regular season, everybody said, oh, oh, okay. Maybe not so much. Don't fall into that. Last year, Deshaun Watson was terrible in the preseason, and it didn't matter. None of that crap matters. Josh Allen shouldn't start because the team around him stinks. They don't have Eric Wood anymore. They don't have Rich Incognito. They don't mm. have Cordy Clinton. They cannot block. And even if they can block occasionally, Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones are your top two receivers. That's no way to live. They don't have a good tight end. Charles Clay is well past his prime. LaShawn McCoy is it. And newsflash, teams are just going to choke off the run game and say, go ahead and beat us. You have nobody who can beat us. You have nobody to take the top off of that defense. So to me, look, Allen, even if they had a good team, I think Desperately needs to sit for a year. But in that situation, they will break him if they start him this season. He is not good enough yet. He is not ready. He's certainly not polished. And that roster is atrocious. It might be the worst roster in the NFL, Mm -hmm. especially offensively. Starting him makes no sense. Nothing against Nathan Peterman. They they should be starting him. And if AJ McCarron comes back and he's healthy and they want to go that route, that's fine too. You have nothing invested long-term in them. Let them go out there and take their lumps. And if one of them plays great, then that's awesome. Then you got a bonus. Good for you. Maybe you got a trade chip. Maybe you got a really good backup quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. But starting Josh Allen, they, there is zero upside. He is not going to play well this year. He is not ready. They do not have the talent around him. He's gonna have nothing but a, a lot of lumps, and he's gonna have shattered confidence. And if, I, if you're the Bills, quite honestly, not that you would ever admit this, nor should you admit this, you should be playing for a top five pick this year. Yeah. Your team stinks. You shouldn't be trying to go seven and nine. That is worthless. You know what seven and nine does for you year after year after year? You're the Bengals. Okay? that's what happens when you go 7-9 year after year after year you're never bad enough to get good you're never good enough to quite get over the hump the worst thing in sports you could be are the Bengals that middle of the road doing nothing type franchise nothing against Cincinnati but just it's been reality for them for years and speaking of a team that, that frankly is very much like Cincinnati in that regard and this might be kind of a shock to some people the Dallas Cowboys yeah. who have done Zippo since they went to the Super Bowl way back when in 1995 Okay, have not been to an NFC title game since that point, and it may not happen again this year. They played their third preseason game. They did not play really any starters at all, so it's got to be set off the jump, but they played at home on Sunday Night Football against the Cardinals, lost 27-3, to turned the ball over eight times in that game. Okay, where do you fall on... Forget the third preseason game because it's, it's largely irrelevant in this case, but where do you fall on the Cowboys... And how concerned Dallas fans should be about what they're about to witness this season.
1: It is a hard, red-hot 10. <laughs> it is. It, it's bad news in Dallas. I, I was looking at their schedule, and I've got them going 2-5 and five to start the season. They start in Carolina. Okay? That's a loss. The Giants game, they play home against the Giants, but I have them losing that game as well. Because it's an NBC, nationally televised game. I think, honestly, that's the game where New York establishes himself as this is a team we're going to have to take seriously. Especially if the offense looks as bad as it looks like it's going to be. That defense could very much get a lot of its confidence back in a national spotlight against a team everybody seems to be obsessed with. America's team. That could be a game we're talking about the Giants a lot after. I think they go into Seattle and win just because Zeke Elliott's going to run through that defense that's made of paper mache so they're going to find a way to win that one. They're not beating da- or Detroit. They're not going to Houston and winning. They're certainly not beating the Jaguars' defense. I don't care if Blake Bortles is the quarterback. There's no way that they're winning. And maybe, maybe they beat the Redskins on the road to go into their bye week. But that's two and five going into your bye week. And I, I challenge anybody to say why that would be wrong. Because there's nothing sexy about this team. There's nothing about this team that says, oh, they're definitely going to beat the Lions at home. Oh, they're definitely going to go on the road and win week one in Carolina. Why? They don't have an offense that, that sets anybody on fire. Jason Witten's gone. Des Bryant's gone. Say what you will about him, but he's a receiver that they probably could use right now. Alan Hearns? Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Tavon Austin? Yeah, he's really going to light the world on fire because he did so in, with the Rams so well. And then that defense... I'm really unsure, you know, Sean Lee's there, Jalen Smith, they've got, some, they've got some pieces that can be good on defense, but there's just nothing there that says they're definitely, definitely going to be a good team, and it's this idea that they're just going to be good because they're the Cowboys. Hey, hello, the head coach is Jason Garrett. Are you kidding me? What has he ever done in his career? We talk about, you know, Jerry Jones has, you know, the tapes for Des Bryant. And he's got the pictures, and he's, got, he's able to shut down the White House and all this stuff in the 90s. What does Jason Garrett have on Jerry Jones that he has habitually avoided being fired? <laughs> like, that, that's incredible to me. So if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm deeply concerned about this season Because this is just set up to be an awful, awful year. And one word, they might have to hit a hard reset button at the end of the year. They might have to gut the roster of some of these veterans. They might have to decide, do they want to build around Dak or do they want to build around Zeke? Because I don't know if you can do both. And truthfully, I think maybe writing could be on the wall here for Dak Prescott. If he turns in another bad year, they change head coaches, they change schemes, they have a high draft pick. Maybe they want to to look in other directions here, and they want to build this team around Zeke Elliott. They want to find more pieces on defense. I'm very, very concerned. It is a 10, maybe 10 and a half if I'm a Cowboys fan, because there's nothing on this team that looks good. And on top of all of that, they're America's team. So they're going to have to hear Skip Bayless foam at the mouth. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com every single Monday morning about how awful they were. They're going to have to read the national media. They're going to have to hear all about this. It's just, this is this is being set up to be a very, very bad, sobering, and humbling season for Cowboys fans. And I'm, I feel a little bad for them a little bit because I don't think anything good's coming. I don't feel
0: bad for <laughs> You know what? Especially the older ones. They've had plenty of success. Yeah, that's true. Okay? Um, this, of course, coming from a very angry, hurt cheese fan uh, for most of my life. So, Listen, I, I feel like 10 is, is a little bit high, although I agree with most of your opinions, and I, I like the fact that you just went for absolute broke there. Uh, <laughs> a lot of hate, yeah, a lot of anger anyway toward, toward how you feel with the Cowboys. My problem with the Cowboys is, you know, they've been very defiant with cutting Des Bryant, and that's fine. Des Bryant was overpaid for his production. Mm-hmm. Okay? And Jason Witten was older, and he retired. Nothing to do about that. They did nothing to replace these guys. I don't want to hear, and you mentioned it, I won't go through the whole thing, but I don't want to hear about Tavon Austin. mm -mm. And I don't want to hear about Alan Hearns. You know what? They're guys. That's what they are. They're just guys. You know, people always fall in love with this idea of, oh, he's going to come in, and now he's in a new scheme, and he's going to do Give me a break. Tavon Austin's been about nine schemes, and he's never done anything. And Alan Hearns had one good year his entire career. They're not doing anything. I will be shocked. I'm more than happy to eat my words if they're really good this year. I'd be stunned if either one even comes near cracking 1,000 yards. So, and in Austin's case, I'd be shocked if he cracks 500. I, I like the Cowboys. They're not as good as the Eagles. I don't think they're as good as the Giants. Mm-mm. Maybe they're as good as Washington. I I don't know. Maybe. You know, Washington's got some players. I don't know. Um, I don't think it matters, really. I don't think they're the ones a playoff team. No. When I look at the Cowboys... You know the their problem is? Their problem is Jarrah. is more worried about everybody kneeling during the anthem than he is about mm-hmm. what they do after the anthem, which is play football. Okay, The team's not good. They've got injury issues. Travis Frederick's dealing with that illness. Yep. Going will keep him out for a little bit. Zach Martin coming back from the knee. He's expected to play week one, but we'll see if he's 100%. They've got Jeff Swain with tight end. That's not a way you want to live. Uh, defensively, look, they've got some good players. You know, We'll see how that pans out. I think the defense actually might be the strength of the team because I agree with you on Prescott. He had a great rookie year last year. He took some pretty significant steps back. So there's a lot of questions, marks with the Cowboys. And whenever there's a lot of questions, in my opinion, and in my experience, that usually means that things are going to go south. Usually not every question mark is answered in the affirmative. Okay. Mm-hmm. Usually some things don't go well. And usually some things you think are going to go well do not go well at all. So... For my money, I look at Dallas and I see a team that has a lot of questions, far more than they do have answers. Uh, I'm at a nine. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas won six games, seven games, and, and that's really maybe the cap of it. And I'll, I'll leave it at this. Do you think Garrett is the head coach of this team this time next
1: year? I, I don't think so. Unless we find out that he's got nudes or something. Jerry Jones. Like, if he's got something. like Toby doesn't have that. He's, he's got something to, to, to keep him in this job. But to the point about double-digit losses. Like, so they come out of the bye week. And in the previous recording of this, we actually got into an argument about the the tight end because we didn't know who the tight end was. And there was no
0: recording. <laughs> the previous conversation that I forgot to record. Yeah,
1: that was so. But coming out of that, they are Monday night against the Titans, which. Of course, as I said last time, and I'll say it again, Matt LaFleur has turned the Tennessee Titans into an offensive juggernaut. That's the, that's the they game. They better
0: be good. I'm going to just <laughs> kill like that so. weekend, <laughs> and weekend. If they're terrible, oh, you're going to hear it. But go ahead.
1: But that, but that could be the game. Monday Night Football, those games are always weird. That could be a game we see Mike Vrabel's defense kind of flex on a national stage. We could see that. Could you imagine if the Cowboys are just a team that the Giants and the Titans, that teams just flex on? But the, I don't think they can win that game. But after that, say they're 2-6 and six out of their bye week. They've just lost again at the Eagles, at the Falcons, home against the Redskins, home against the Saints, home against the Eagles. Really? I mean, I think they lose all those games. Maybe they go to Indianapolis and win the next week, but that's kind of dicey. They're definitely beating the Bucs, so that's at least one game. And then they finish the season on the road in the Meadowlands. Like, I don't see four, five. That's like the cap on wins that I want to put at the Cowboys, and that's tough. If that happens,
0: Garrett's fired he has to i, be. I mean he no, has to i be. know i know jones just loves him for whatever the reason but yeah he would be fired uh all right so let's wrap up on this, uh, this obviously uh we're recording this on a monday evening on monday after uh, monday afternoon it was odell beckham jr becomes the highest paid receiver in nfl history not uh, unpredictably five years 95 million dollars 65 million guaranteed huge deal but certainly deserved uh do you like this deal for the Giants? Do you think that they should have doled out this kind of cash and this kind of uh, term for Beckham? Or do you think that it might come back to bite him in the rear
1: end? I think that you had, you had to do this if you're the Giants. He is, when he's playing with his head screwed on straight and he's trying, he's easily a top three receiver in the league. Last year he was injured. Eli fell off a cliff. It was really rough. I don't want to judge him based off of last year. And he's more than just a trick catch guy. He's more than just the guy who's going to make a one-handed catch. And if he does make a one-handed catch, you know he's probably going to make it in the back of the end zone and somehow land. So you have to you have to pay him this money. Because if you don't, you're losing somebody that's going to go on to another team and become a franchise-wide receiver. Whether or not he lives up to that title is yet to be seen. But if he hits free agency and the Packers give him $105 million, he's instantly a franchise player. Anywhere he goes, the Vikings, the Cardinals he could have gone to, Like, you have to give him this money, and especially the way that this offense is constructed. You have to see how it works. You've got Saquon Barkley now, which opens up a running game, which is something that the Giants really haven't had under Eli Manning. You've also got Sterling Shepard. You've got a good tight end. You've got pieces on that offense, and then Pat Schumer is coming in. And he's a guy who made Case Keenum into a a quarterback who took a team to an NFC championship game. And now he's working with Eli Manning. You had to give him this money. You had to pay Odell Beckham. Truthfully, they didn't pay him as much as I thought he was going to get. So this is actually a good deal. $95 million? That's, That's great. So to me, great deal. You had to pay him. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But you have to push your chips to the center when you've got a guy like Odell. You can't just walk and say, we'll find something better because chances are you're probably not going to
0: you know what I'm gonna kind of gonna be annoying I'm gonna hedge um, I think I like. I agree with you they had to pay him yeah I also think it's gonna probably come back to be a contract that people by the end of it are like oh get rid of him mm. get rid of him listen I think Beckham's a great player okay I don't think anyone would argue that he's a phenomenal talent, and I I commend him for the way he's handled this this whole situation because a lot of guys would have turned this thing ugly they would have held out They would have gone public in the media. They would have been taking shots at the Giants. He didn't do that. And I think that's a big reason he got paid. Mm -hmm. My concern with him is twofold. One, he's been hurt a lot throughout his career. Okay, He had a broken leg last year. I believe he only played in five games. Um, And he also is a guy who, you know, he's had some hamstring issues at times. Now, that all said, it hasn't stopped him from putting up incredible numbers. Yeah. Okay? But I wonder how well does he age because of all those injuries. And does he become more mature? Or does he go the route of Ocho Cinco where, like, Ooh. there's talent. But he just – now, look, don't get me wrong, but I, I want to clarify. He's clearly a better player than Chad Johnson was. Chad Johnson was very good, but he's not Odell Beckham. Okay? Beckham could be a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and Johnson's not going there without, without uh, a ticket. But, you know, I always thought Chad Johnson could have gotten to that point. He could have been a Hall of Famer. He had some great years with the Bengals, but he just never matured. It, just, it was always a circus. It was always something. And I think eventually people just got tired of it. Yeah. And I just wonder with Beckham, like, is, is the way he handled the contract, is just going to be a sign of maturation, or is it always just going to be something? It's going to be him on a boat, you know, on a party boat during the playoffs. It's going to be him kicking over a, a, a field goal net. Mm. It's going to be him fighting with Josh Norman. At some point, it's got to be about the team. And I know, I you know, people. Oh, you know, it sounds like a stodgy old guy. Look, it's 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 just true. Yeah. I mean, at some juncture, it can't always be about you all the time. Now, that said, if i if I was a Giants, I absolutely would have given him this contract. He's earned it on the field. He's shown some some maturity with the way the contract negotiations have gone. He's never been in trouble legally off the field. He's not one of these guys who's getting arrested for domestic violence. Also, it's never happened with him. That's got to be yeah. said. So I would have given him this contract because I believe that he's worth it but I wonder is he the kind of guy who matures his things a lot because if he does that he stays healthy his contract's worth no problem because by the time it's up it'll be cheap because the cap will keep going up if he doesn't mature and the injuries continue to persist then then maybe it doesn't even see the fifth year. so I think the Giants made the right move I I think ultimately they, they did the right thing by signing him um but we'll see. You know, whenever you hand out a huge contract like that, you're always running the risk. You just don't know how things are gonna play out down the
1: line. Well, my thing with that is, it's all well and good right now. And to your point, which I actually agree with, where it could look bad when, it all, when all is said and done here. Eli Manning's 37, okay? He's probably only gonna be the quarterback of this team for the next two, maybe three years. So you're in the middle of paying Odell Beckham a lot of money and you have to switch to another quarterback. This is a small window. This is a very small window if you're thinking about it. Unless he somehow finds a quarterback, you draft a guy, or there's a guy on the team already who has a good rapport with him, it's a small window. You're really only paying for two or three years of maybe winning a Super Bowl. You're not going there with a rookie quarterback. And then he has to. It's it starts all over, and it kind of resets. So that, to your point about the contract maybe looking bad at the end, that's where I could see— Perhaps in a couple of years, we're looking at this and we're like, uh-oh, because they got so deep into this contract, they're paying for two to three years of it, and then they're hoping that it's going to work out. But, I mean, we'll just have to see how this thing, this thing plays out. But we should, before we end, just briefly, speaking about, uh, about guys who need to get paid, can we talk about Khalil Mack and how he's going to get <laughs> traded to the Lions or to the Packers? Yeah. Like, good good lord. Like, come on, what are you doing if you're Oakland?
0: Well, look, I have, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. We don't have time for all of them. Um There there was a report and who knows how accurate it was that he was in Detroit and you know, if he was, the Raiders would have to give him permission. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but look, Vegas actually favors the Packers having him to start the year over mm. the Raiders, which Vegas usually is pretty plugged into this stuff. They don't like losing money. Okay. Packers have two first round picks. They're the only team that has two first round picks in 2019. I don't understand what in the world the Raiders are doing. And on top of all of it, like, it's not even like the Raiders are going to get, you know, I always see people like, oh, they'll get three first round picks. I don't get three first round picks. Whatever team acquires him is gonna to have to give up pretty good amount of capital, sure, but they're gonna also have to pay Mac a fortune. So any team that gets him is gonna say, look, at most you're getting a, one first rounder. Maybe you get two twos instead. Which is fine, like that's a decent amount of capital. But for an example, like the Chiefs got a second and a fourth from Marcus Peters. And Marcus Peters is, is every bit the playmaker that Mac is. Now you could argue Mac's a better player, he's not as big of a pain in the butt, that, that's fine. I'm not saying they wouldn't get a little more for Mac than the Chiefs got for Peters. My point is, is the Raiders are not hauling in multiple first-round picks with this. They're not. He's a defensive player, and as great as Mac is, he's not going to get that kind of return. He's not a quarterback, okay? So, I don't understand what in God's name they're doing. They can't stop anybody as it is. And now they're, they're worried about, well, you know, maybe we'll ship him out and not pay him. You pay Derek Carr $25 million a year. Derek Carr is maybe the 14th best quarterback in the NFL. And you paid him, and that's fine. They should have paid him. They have to pay him. He's a decent enough quarterback. You can win with him. But if you're not going to pay Khalil Mack, we talked about the Chiefs' defense earlier. I mean, the Chiefs with that secondary, as bad as it is, the Raiders probably don't compare favorably to that. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to take the best player off the off the team. Look, I don't understand. What the thought process is, and I compare the two defenses because they're in the division together. Like at some point, if you're the Raiders and you want to get back to your glory days, you're gonna have to beat Denver. You're gonna have to beat now Los Angeles, you're gonna have to beat Kansas City. Well, if you don't have Mac, that's that's a huge difference. That's an enormous difference. Like you might you might have a fairly competent defense if your secondary can ever figure it out. But if you don't have Mac, forget it. I don't understand why they won't pay this guy. I'll never understand it. If they trade him, uh, I, I think the Raiders are going to have a bottom three defense in the NFL by a comfortable margin. Like, I, I really think there's going to be games they give up almost 500 yards. I I don't know how they stop anybody. Even with him, they struggle to do it. Without him, good luck.
1: This, this reminds me a lot of the Kawhi Leonard stuff, where it was like, there's no way that the Spurs are going to trade Leonard. He's he's one of the best two-way players in basketball. There's no way that this relationship can possibly be that bad, even right up until when it happened. And they weren't even talking and they hadn't talked for months and there was all this mud getting slung back and forth. It was like, there's no way you as a franchise cannot trade a superstar player. There's no way the Bulls are going to trade Jimmy Butler. There's no way that the Twins are going to trade Johan Santana. It all happens. And I think that that would rank up there with one of the most shocking, almost tragic moves to have happened in football. Because it's like, how did, if you're rate writer, that personally, this is, I want this to happen because of my grudge against John Gruden for winning one Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with somebody else's team and then driving the rest of the franchise into the ground. His first year back, imagine if this, we're all making jokes. It's 1998, blah, blah, blah. John Gruden comes. Cedar Point's Frontier Festival is back and brimming with new flavor. From May 26th through June 19th, this Old West-inspired street fest will fill Cedar Point with live bands, nightly hoedowns, and a hubbub of family activities. Yup, you'll find wheelbarrows back with sunflowers and characters straight out of the Frontier, but you'll also discover 25 cherry-inspired dishes and over 65 cocktails, seltzers, and beers. Get all the
0: fixants plus savings to boot with the Frontier Festival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and a
1: tasting card. Only at Cedar Point Com. Back And in the process of the first five weeks of the season, he loses the franchise's best player and trades him away for spare parts, and then they lose to the Browns and give the Browns their first win since 2016. That is, that's you know the, that's the future I want, and that's all I have to say about I'll, I'll that.
0: I'll tell you, and I'll leave it on this. And before I say it on my last on the Raiders and on this whole situation, I want to say make sure to go... To fanatics.fanside.com fanatics is a great partner of ours and if you go there and you buy some merchandise which you should they have everything a fan could ever want uh, you can get uh, 20% off the shipping by typing in the code fanside uh, so please go check them out fanatics is just does a fantastic job um, and and really uh, if you're a fan of a team you, you gotta you gotta go there they'll have something that you don't and that you need um, they'll have
1: that so, Packers Mac jersey for you they 20- will 20% off <laughs> they're ready
0: they're ready and if you're a Raiders fan who just wants to you know as you said last week play taps <laughs> they'll have that Raiders jersey probably on set. Um so want to say that quickly also of course thanks for listening please subscribe mm-hmm. on iTunes uh, leave a rating leave a comment get a hold of Josh or I whether it be in our emails which we both have in our uh, Twitter bios or just on Twitter uh, we're always happy to hear from you we love hearing from you um so that being said I'll get to my final Raiders thought here and then we'll wrap it up the biggest fear I would have if I was an Oakland Raiders fan is that Gruden is signed for 10 years and 100 million bucks this isn't some three year contract where if he's terrible they can just eat it Mark Davis of all the NFL owners probably is I don't want to say the poorest because that makes him sound like he's broken the guy's clearly not he's an NFL owner but the least wealthy mm-hmm. okay he doesn't have the ability. If, if this thing goes south, he's not eating sixty million bucks. Mm-mm. Okay, John Gruden is there, and if you're a Raider fan and he's really good, then that's great. Then you're locked in for a decade. If he's not, and let's be honest, let's just call it what it is. They are off to a rough start. If the, if he's not the answer, not great. They are locked in for a long haul, and. The idea that they would offer up Mac for anything less than an absolute full-blown King's ransom is just mind-blowing to me. And I, you know, when this first came up, I said, there's no way they're going to trade him. There's just simply no way. But this has gone on long enough now where I'm almost inclined to feel the opposite way. Like at some point here, that relationship is just damaged beyond a point of return. And I just wonder what the Raiders are doing, what they're thinking. Gruden's clearly running the show because if Reggie McKenzie was still running the show, you know, Mac would be signed. He's rafted back. Mm-hmm. Mac's his baby, so to speak. So I don't understand. The Raiders have had all this money to dole out to guys like Jordy Nelson and Reggie Nelson. And, you know, and the list goes on, all these veteran players. And I get they're not making a fraction of what Mac's going make. I understand all that. But you don't have money for Khalil Mack? Are you kidding? I, you know what? Honestly, it kind of reminds you of is when Adam and Sue left Detroit. Yeah. And you could say, well, what does Sue want? Yeah, well, okay. But Detroit's a train wreck of a franchise more often than not. And by the way, uh, Mac, they've, not, they've won nothing in Oakland, but it's not his problem. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault they're not winning games. Okay? I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't think he's going to be there week one. And frankly, if he's not there, they're going to lose most of the games because their offense is not good enough. They don't have the Steelers' offense, Okay, where yeah. they're going to score 35 points and maybe they can win some games like that. They're in rough shape. They're in rough shape. And I, I think if you're a Raiders fan, the Mac thing should drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. But the Gruden situation should drive you more crazy because that could be a decade-long disaster if mm-hmm. he's not what you're looking for. So on that note, thank you very much for listening. Of course, we'll be back next Monday. And if you can't wait that long, we're going to be on Tuesday. We'll be on Tuesday at 1230 on, uh, Eastern Time on the Fansided Facebook page, we go live for half an hour, uh, and we'll be joined by Ashley Young, uh, who will be hosting the show. I we'll also have Jasmine alongside us as well, uh, filling in for Mark Carmen, who is at the U.S. Open in Flushing, New York, this week. Hope he enjoys it. Um, but you can you can watch us there. Please follow, uh, give uh, a like to the Fansided Facebook page. You can see us and all the other great content that Fansided puts out. So. For Josh Hill, I am Matt Verteramp. Thank you very much for listening. hope you enjoy, and we will talk to you again next Monday, Labor Day. Guess what? The next games we'll be previewing, the actual games. We'll be breaking down all the games with the lines, our picks, our predictions, all of it. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.
1: And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.
0: Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement